0: Hello, this is Gasset It Out. Um, you've got quite, a, yeah, there's a weirdo over there. We've got quite a strange one uh, coming up here uh, now. Not only have we got Neil Oddsson, but we're sort of recording this across a couple of sessions simply because uh, Leon Haslam uh, was out on the golf course. You'll hear. Uh, and so, and his signal went. And then, so we decided to do... it. Look, basically,
1: Gav, Gav's rambling. It's a typical Gas it Out. We're doing this start at the end at the end at the start but in the middle we speak to Leon Haslam and it's a really good interview I think he comes across really well and there was much swearing
0: there's no swearing it's wholesome
1: well no I was swearing I'm always swearing because I can't help it right even Vic said today you swear too much I'm sorry I swear occasionally All right. there's a bit of swearing only a little bit so deal with it deal with it yeah just deal with it (laughs)
0: Oh, I'm leaving that in. <laughs> <laughs> look, that was that. Unable to do that. <laughs> you look like you're beating off an invisible man.
1: <laughs> oh, there now. I've not done it for a long time. Yeah. Wow.
0: Your children <laughs> in- are so embarrassed by you. Guarantee. Yeah, standard. Hello and welcome to Gas It Out with myself, Gavin Emmett. I've got Neil Hodgson on the other end of the line. Remember, uh, if you listen to this on the podcast, you can also watch us on YouTube and on Facebook. Uh, so just search for Gas It Out and you'll find it. Um, uh, if you can see, you might notice. Yeah, I,
1: wow. First of all, right. If you fancy listen threads. To this, you are missing out. I have never seen Gav look so sharp. <laughs> Full Hawaiian shirt, baseball cap, looking
0: so. Looking baseball, summery. baseball's baseball cap is because um, I went to the gym yeah. right when we were there before right, and I, I didn't put any product in, so I just put the cap on the shirt. Right, you'll be pleased about this because it's going to come. Everyone,
1: just quick, quickly, just start. You just said product like but just. Can we edit that out? Because it sounded a bit wrong. <laughs> no, okay, tell about this
0: shirt. When you've got to cover up the sunroof, right? So this shirt, this, uh, it's got all flowers and, and, and leaves on it. So this is someone who said, oh, don't mention, just don't mention anything about this, but I'm going to embarrass him. But it was a, uh, a lad called Evan, who is a big motorcycle fan. He's Australian, lives in New York, and he wrote us a lovely email. Uh, saying how he'd enjoyed listening to podcasts. And he's like, I'm going to send you some shirts. I was like, Give over. You don't do that. He goes, no, no, I'm not looking for a plug or anything like that, but I'm going to send you some shirts. So he sent us some shirts and he has. I, he's called Evan and he runs a company called Joe Bananas. That's what they're called. I've Joe Bananas. Them.
1: I'm yes. sure I've heard of them.
0: Right, joebananas.com. So he sent us some shirts from the States. Right, so he sent us oh this and God. it's I'm ready for a barbecue in it. And I thought, well, it's gonna be warm in, in the UK this weekend. So, Evan, we do appreciate it massively. Evan. Said, it's not there for a plug or anything, but we thought, let's give him a plug. Well, I thought, yeah, but give him a plug.
1: And you know how we work. You know how we work though? We just love the plug, don't we? Joe Bananas.
0: Riders love a freebie. Right, so- well, look, I'm so excited. There's all sorts, right? I've got a nice like a denim one as well. Honestly, that's so proper cool. real deal. So uh, look and this is I'm saying he packaged it all up. Look at that. Oh, is that a back to that. front? Is that back to front?
1: No, no, that's just German Armand's right. on as well, I but, can only yeah, see yeah, yeah. that
0: front, but yeah, there you are. That's yours yeah. now. Yeah, you yeah. So I'm gonna, no I'm, gonna way. I'm gonna bring that to you uh, next time. So and he's sentencing so, you no know, Evan, thank you.
1: You're an absolute ledge. Spont- Gav, now, literally, we'll soon be able to retire because I'm what? sat here, you will to see this if you're listening to this, but that, I've got the cotton gin from Dougie Lankin Right. It, the, you know.
0: And the best bit about that cotton gin is, right, that last last week I went down to... Oh, uh, my goodness me.
1: <laughs> so that's... Just, if there's any children watching, don't drink the gin like Doug. I know it's not supposed to be drunk like that, but... Is it two stroke? Tastes tastes good.
0: <laughs> Super, but I noticed that it's bottle number one hundred that Dougie sorted.
1: And I'm really annoyed because I brought the label. But then I had to drink it, but I yeah. imagine I've got So for those who can't see that's would, the,
0: I, that, that's Dougie Lampkin's cotton gin that that's uh, he's made. Look at that, number oh hundred.
1: One hundred out of four hundred and eighty six.
0: That's great. And he's necking it out of the bottle, obviously.
1: And have so, you got your kecks on? Just,
0: I, you your kecks? I, do you know what? I did have them on, but because I've been at the gym, <laughs> I've got my gym shorts on, so I haven't got them on, but I love them. I'm obsessed by my kecks, right? So, my do, God, this is like what's happened, heavy. There's people going to be switching off already.
1: All right, hang on. No, but don't you know happen we, now. We, we've got some sponsors. We've turned, in, we've turned into Luke show checking. Hello. We're, we've got little stickers, little stickers up, all, everywhere. everywhere.
0: And <laughs> obviously... Yeah, it's we're grateful anyway. But um, let, we're going to talk about Leon Aslan uh, in a bit because we're going to be talking to him. Uh, but can we just have a quick recap of, of, of what we've seen in the first rounds of MotoGP? Just really quickly um, to run through. We saw Fabio Quartararo take his first two victories, He's suddenly become the most successful Frenchman ever. Incredible Shit. enough as it, as it is. We saw some incredible heroics from Alex Rince, Cal Crutchlow, and Mark Marquez. Mark unable to give it a go at the end. A lot of, lot of talk about that. Um, Matt Oxley has put up a tweet, which has just summed it up perfectly, um, which is he spoke to his doctor and said, what do you think about this? And the doctor said, my job as a doctor is just to advise people of risks. I'm, I'm not there to be paternalistic. I'm not there to be their dad, basically. I'm just there yeah. to tell them the risks and then they make up their own minds. Oh, I think that's about right, isn't it? That's about where we yeah. were with it, wouldn't yeah. it?
1: Yeah, exactly. It was all we always said with all three injuries, it was down to the rider's decision to ride. Obviously, he had to fit had to pass a fitness test, and the fitness test wasn't easy at all. If you saw Marquez doing full press, did up, you see that? I was like, oh my God, you I couldn't do And mentioned. he's doing the
0: one with his legs up.
1: Yeah, unreal, I, unreal. I mean, so it's proper fitness test Cal Crutchlow they were saying they grabbed hold of his wrists and they were yanking it but, and then the, you can imagine the fresh scar they're like pushing down on the scar well, I saw, going, I saw the doctor in
0: one session come up to, to Cal in the garage middle of a session and press and I'm like yeah. I'm thinking what you do that on anything yeah. like you know I've got a paper cut on my finger and you press a paper cut and it's agony isn't that, it, it is, I know works, they're, they're yeah. worse though paper cuts are worse aren't they they are worse. worse yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but broken. but I think we've had a really, so many stories come out of those first two rounds, haven't they? Like, you know, what, Peko Binyayo on the Ducati, Yamaha and their engines, what's going on there? So many yeah. things that we're going to be able to follow throughout yeah.
1: the year. Naka Garmin, from nowhere, all of a sudden found speed and Over, was nearly on the podium. Almost we haven't overnight. Mentioned Rossi. We have mentioned Rossi. Rossi, literally... Was disastrous at the first round, and even he was thinking about retirement. We we're all going, Oh, no, is this like, is this what's going to be the end of Ross's career? Oh, no. <laughs> a week later, he's on the podium. I mean, it's been a bizarre start to the season, hasn't it?
0: Absolutely ridiculous. And the 50 it. point lead for Fabio Quattararo. Mark's going to be back almost certainly at Bruno. And Going wild and he has to win. Desperation, but we know, desperate in the first race. He just—it's it, box office, isn't it? It is box office. You want to buy a ticket yeah. to see it, and yeah. um, and and Renault's you know that be
1: amazing.
0: you know that he he wasn't—he was a second off at Heres with a broken arm. With a broken if you've seen arm. the X-rays, go and have a look at his Instagram. You swipe through. He's got about ten photos of all the different things. Honestly, uh, seriously incredible. So. Off of the cap to him to cal as well great rider and alex Rince yeah. to bring it home in 10th place i mean i know in, in, a, in a war of attrition we're only 13 finished i just thought we got served up so many good things in that in that opening round and we've got world superbike coming back haven't we um when we're recording this this weekend so this is before before the weekend happens um and that's got lots of stories hasn't it that's that's got a lot of excitement because your man, Alex Lowe's, is leading the championship. But there was there was a lot very, very close at the, at the front. Scott Redding yeah, through, steps back into Scott World 2 Bike for the first time and he's on it and we've spoken to him. If you haven't heard that podcast, go back and listen to it. It is our most popular one for many reasons, but mainly because of how candid he is. And, and there's just so many stories, including Leon, who we're going to hear from now, and what Honda are going to have done in the interim.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that first round, there were three different winners rank, who moved from Kawasaki to Yamaha, he won the first race. Uh, mm. Johnny won the sprint race. Then Alex won the last race. But it's it, on paper, it looks like we're on for a stunning world superbike season. The first race didn't disappoint at Phillip Island, so there's much anticipation five months down the line of what is going to happen in here. So they've all been testing. The times look relatively close. Uh, Reading's on fire. Johnny Ray's on fire. And there, Alex yeah. Lowe's is on fire. But the Yamahas aren't far behind. And then the Hondas are sort of a tenth behind the Yamahas. So it, it looks like it's going to be a tight race. But we know what it's like round the 20-odd laps around there in the heat. It's going to throw up some unknowns. Lots got, of unknowns. You've
0: got to manage your tyres. You're going to have to manage yeah. your tyres. We'll ask uh, Leon about that, about uh, what that means. Uh, and just a quick word on Leon. I know this is a long intro now, but um, Leon is someone who's. Still going strong is the way I would describe it. Still going strong. And that is not meant to sound disparaging. I'd say the same about Valentino after what he did at the weekend. Still going strong, still churning out the results, still still turning out the performances.
1: Yeah, well, you don't get keep getting rides because you pay for them. Leon keeps getting good rides because they, the team see the work he puts in. They see his talent. Uh, last year didn't go according to plan. He'd be the first person to say that, but it's not easy being Johnny Ray's teammate as well. I'll just add that to it. Um, obviously, before that, he won the British Superbike Championship. I mean, I've known, I raced against Leon. That's how long Leon's been racing. I raced against him in World Superbikes in 2003. He did He did a few rounds. He actually was at awesome. Assam. So, um, but I've known Leon, I've known Leon since he was a very serious young five-year-old, nothing like his personality now. Riding round on a little uh, mini moto um, in the Norton colours, so it was all black. He had black leathers and he used to ride around the paddock not smiling. Dead serious. This was like when I was I'd be 18, 19. Brilliant. And I used to think, I used to think, look at Leon Asim, he's a miserable little sod. <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny like so opposite you were judging well, a
0: five-year-old you judge, oh, yeah.
1: i always judge five-year-olds no but no because he was a sort that i'd go i'd go i think oh Haslam's, not has them, them i go like give him thumbs up and he'd, he'd just like look at me he'd go weirdo so um yeah so he had you anyway, spot on old. from the start then. yeah yeah <laughs> clearly a good judge even at five <laughs> years old but um i've spent time up at the haslam's house i've been training with them. I've been motocrossing, dirt tracking, flying planes around. I've seen it all and absolutely love the family. Love them. Honestly, down to earth, best people you'll meet in the paddock. Really, I mean, I can't say enough about them.
0: Right. Well, let's uh, go and have our chat with Leon in two parts.
1: Yeah, it's confusing. You'll see. Enjoy. <laughs>
0: He is Oh, here you up hey up i can't
1: see him you can't see him here he is look at that
0: can me? we can see you and we can hear you look at him with the uh sun shining down looks awful i'm ready for the barbecue <laughs> yeah. have you just got off the golf course literally because you look like you're on a golf cart
2: i was golfing this morning and I'm not going to admit it, but we actually lost. Me and Alex did, so we're, we're having a rematch basically this afternoon. I can't. Go into a rematch <laughs> <friend>. <laughs> hey, I
0: Lenny,
1: have it? No, not that you're competitive or anything like that. You know, <laughs> just a bit of
2: fun. <laughs> hey, hell.
0: Leon, can you? Is it possible to turn your whatever it is to the side? Yeah, oh, perfect. I mean, yeah, that's ideal. Then, then it just fills up a little bit more. That better not some... be
1: Alex. Is that Alex in the background? Yeah, making the noise. <laughs> get in, tr- trying to get in shot. Exactly. <laughs> oh, so, hang on. How, how long have we got you for? 'Cause I understand you're busy. Uh,
2: yeah, mate. I'm, I'm supposed to be tearing up in like 20 minutes, but I, it don't matter. I'm playing Texas scramble, so I can talk to you while I play.
0: <laughs> Brilliant.
2: Right. This, hey, is be this is super. a new one.
0: <laughs> <It's> exactly, <laughs> crossing frontiers all the time, aren't we? Exactly. <laughs> so you're in. Um, yeah, I'm assuming then that you're in. You're in Monte Castillo or you're in Hereth, anyway.
2: Yeah, I'm in Monte Castillo, um, arrived yesterday, so yeah, normal pre-race routine, a little game of golf to clear the mind, which obviously didn't work this morning because I lost, so uh, <laughs> this afternoon is to relax and clear the mind, basically. Who, who, um, who beat you then? Who were you playing against? I don't even want to admit who beat me, oh, and Alex. Me and Alex played together, and Steve English and Rocky beat us. Dave, oh.
0: Ryan and Steve English. It absolutely, GP. It
2: absolutely destroyed us as well, like by seven shots or something.
0: <laughs> I love it. Brilliant. Brilliant. Who, was, who did the damage? Because Steve's quite handy, isn't he?
2: I think he's been here for the whole Meta GP2 weekend. So I think he's played golf every day on Monte Castillo. So we, we gave him six shots and they ended up beating us by six shots gross. So it was like 12 shots he beat us by in the end. <laughs>
0: Well: I'm disappointed. That's not. I mean that's clearly why you're going out to make sure it's a
2: better feeling. Yeah, it, wasn't, it wasn't normal. There was something definitely going on, so we're going to rectify it this afternoon.
1: <laughs> I, I, lo- I love the thought of Dave Rocky Ryan smoking you. There's something I like about that.
2: He was out driving us all. I don't know what he was doing. I'm pretty. I'm convinced there was cheating in some way. I've just not figured out how yet.
0: Oh, Dave. Oh, Rocky <laughs> didn't cheat at all. Didn't cheat. <laughs> Whether he each one straight or not is another matter. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's always been the way with him. Uh, how's things anyway? How have you been? How have you spent a lot? You know, the the since Qatar, obviously, you've all been uh, laying low. So, what have you been up to, Leon?
2: Yeah, obviously, uh, Philip Island for me was. Um, Better, good in some ways negative on others um it was the very first race after a minimal amount of testing for the new honda the new team new project um but we and in race one with two laps to go i was in the fight for the for the podium and for the win um we did have some issues um races two and three we had some electrical problems i got took out i crashed it was not ideal from a results point of view but the fact that we were so close and you know we was ahead of my teammate uh, um, in pretty much every session again i'm i'm we took a lot of positives from it um but then going into a three-month break um you know it was kind of i don't know what's the word really just uh, i was just wanting to get going i didn't want to be sitting at home for three months thinking about what could have been um mm. obviously we had a lot of tests planned for suzuka which all got cancelled and a lot of testing with the team which again has not happened so you know to finally get back out last month um was really nice um i've spent the last month out here in spain just with the team just trying to obviously build that connection and you know, the tests in both uh, Montmello and in Aragon went really well. Um, obviously, we've got so much to do, so much to try, and so much to come together as a team. But at the same time now, I just I just kind of want to go racing. You know, it mm. uh, feels a little bit weird that we've not rode a race for such a long time. Um, from a physical point of view, um, I think I'm the fittest I've ever been. Um, I've never had more than two, three weeks off. Um, this winter was the first winter I've never had an operation. And I've just had three months of cycling and training. So, Yeah, from a physical point of view, I'm feeling really strong. Um, Yeah, super motivated and just want to get going, really.
0: Obviously, I meant meant Philip Island, by the way. I got that wrong right at the start, so apologies. You know, at the same time, I always get
1: confused. Go on. Gav, you're an absolute wanker.
0: Yeah, I know that. That's
1: stunning. I love that. I was looking, I was, you know, I'm I'm annoyed in a way that we can only speak to you for a real short time because I was looking back at your career and even I forgot. I mean, obviously, we've known each other all through your career, but I forgot how much you've done. But also, you touched on it there, how many injuries you've had. You've been so bloody unlucky. Like, massive injuries as well. Like, lots of operations, like you say, almost every year. Talk us through a a bit of that, how hard it's been to keep, basically, right at the top of your game with all those injuries.
2: Yeah, it's always hard, you know. I I don't think any professional racer is racing injury-free, you know. They're always managing something or an existing injury or whatever it may be. And, uh, you know, I'm really into my fitness, as you know, with Kurt and train with the Lowe's boys and you know motocross kids. And I'm now helping uh, a few other young riders. And um, you know, looking back at all my old results, I keep all my old results of fitness tests and how fast I could run 10 miles in, or whatever it may be. And you know, everything's always a compromise. Um, but like I say, you know, every year you you accept that you know you can't run anymore, or your knee doesn't bend that far, or whatever it may be. You you always compromise and make the most of any situation, but. To actually have a period of time of just, you know, working on yourself, getting back to, I would say, normality, it's, uh, it's amazing how much more energy and how good I feel and, and everything else about it. And uh, yeah, honestly, it's, um, you, you take for granted of waking up in the morning and, and being able to just do normal things. And, and like I say, I, I do feel quite positive on that respect. And uh, yeah, kind of a rare occasion for me, like going from year to year and only having a two, three week gap, you know, in the wintertime.
0: I know, I know you're not as old as Valentino, but you've been racing pretty much about the same time as him, uh, Leon. we just uh, lost your picture for a second, but um, I, I just wonder if you can take anything from what he did in Grand Prix last week in terms of, and he it seemed for him like those months off were, were recharging his batteries. Have you found something similar? Oh, we lost him there. Have you? You haven't got him, Neil, have you?
1: No, I haven't got him. No. His battery's probably gone his Yeah, phone. he'll, he'll
0: been using his GPS out on the course. Yeah. But anyway, while he's um, sorting that out, I'll, I'll we might as well, I'll ask you about, you know, how old is he now? 30? 37. 37, yeah, 37, 38, round about there. Because I remember him from grand prix back in well he was there from 99 2000, 2000 was it around about ital jet and then i remember even 500 and, and you say that and he has yeah. done absolutely everything hasn't
1: he yeah do you know what as well he's he's run for nearly every manufacturer I, I even i even wrote them down he's wrote for pretty much everyone except yamaha i
0: wonder who's calling
1: that's brogie oh is it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so listen to this, he's, he's rode for Italy Jet, BMW, Honda, Suzuki, Kawasaki, Aprilia, and Ducati. But the, the best thing is, I was thinking this as well, not only has he ridden for all those manufacturers, uh, ridden all those motorcycles, but usually he's been riding for the manufacturer as well. Mm. So be, There's so many questions you could ask him about what are the differences between, obviously I, I never rode for BMW, what that's yeah, like. the way you're you know, working
0: I, for the Germans, yeah. for the Italians, for the Japanese. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll pretty, be able to pretty, it.
1: Un, pretty unusual you get a rider of done so much. And yeah. I was thinking this, so 37 years old, still at the top of his game. I know it's a little bit like when we talk about Mark Marquez, just, oh, he can do this and he can do that. And you almost want to rule Marquez out. You go, yeah, Yo, because that's not normal. Valentino Rossi, obviously, podium at the weekend. That, 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 that's, that's Alex calling me. Let me just find out, because Alex is with him. Now then. <laughs> Yeah, no problem. I'll do that. All right, cheers. So, so, so basically, I was right. My phone's died. Can, can you send Alex the link? It's just These two, honestly, just crack me up. What was, what, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, but, like, Leon, he's still at the top of his game. You look at Alvaro Bautista last year, winning all those races, you thought he was pretty much the man. Honda sign him, he's going to be right there or thereabouts on that Honda. And in every, pretty much every test, Leon's been quicker than him. And the first race weekend, like Leon said, didn't quite go according to plan, but he was right there with Bautista. You'd still say he's a, obviously yeah. a, a, a top doer, you know. So, so um, yeah, he's still got it. But I, I think Leon will race into his 40s and still be really competitive. I know he he's the ultimate chip off the old block. Ron Aslam is yeah. a proper legend still a machine in his 60s like you wouldn't want to race ron Haslam right now you wouldn't you know what i mean like he's that fast because he still rides on some the schools and you know he, he still trains with leon so he's you know he's raised the sharp, and but i think leon will be the same
0: without a doubt here he is
1: and so, on. On. <laughs> so now you're just using alex's phone because you're going to try and There'll be some costing uh, element to it where it'll cost Alex that. <laughs> Don't tell him.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'm a, I'm using his credit. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> it, he's got I bet. He's got pay as you go, has not he? He's got pay he pays you go. Yeah. I was just I was just saying. Yeah. Leon, um, obviously, you're, you're into your late thirties now, and I, I remember you from way back in Grand Prix, and you've done so much as as Hodgie was saying. But do you take heart from? What Valentino did last weekend in Grand Prix, for example, and for the fact that you've had this downtime for the first time for him, it seemed to recharge his battery, it seemed to give him—I don't know—he either missed it or got time at home that he hadn't had and re- realised I still love this and I'm still enjoying it. Is that—is that a fair comment?
2: Yeah, I absolutely love Valentino. Um, you know, everyone kind of writing him off. You know, all the youngsters coming through, but you know, he's an absolute class act. You know, all the championships that he's won, and to see that motivation, to see what he's done with the camp, you know, to get that back and you know, yeah, obviously I've had years where I've been injured and you get down and obviously second guess yourself. But honestly, I feel the best I've ever felt. I feel that I'm riding really strong. And, you know, the biggest thing from my side is that, you know, I've come into the Honda team, obviously for my experience, for the Suzuka experience, etc. But dominantly, they've employed Alvaro Bautista, who come into a championship brand new and won 15 races off the bounce. And, you know, what better person for me to have alongside me in the garage? And, Every single test I've done, I've been faster than him. And, and that for me is such a boost in confidence to know that, you know, I'm literally competing at that level that a guy literally won, should have won the world championship last year. You know, and for me, that motivation, the motivation of developing a new bike, which, you know, I'm all about. Um, and the fact that, you know, when we get things together, this could be my opportunity to be world champion. It's, uh, you know, I'm absolutely buzzing. I love, I, I love it. But basically, that's just what we were
1: saying. Yeah. It's pretty much exactly what we were saying. At 37, you are at the absolute top of your game, you know, mm. and, and, and I, don't take this wrong, Leon. I think a lot of people didn't expect mm. you to be as fast as Alvaro. I think everybody expected him to maybe have half a second on you, but it really shows that, you know, that you
2: can still do it yeah now for me it's a massive confidence boost you know always i try my hardest and you do what you can do and you know there's no i'm not hiding the fact that i struggled last year you know coming back into world championship alongside johnny um you know having to ride a certain way um overriding it as i normally do and making a lot of mistakes you know it wasn't a great year for me but you know this year has been a completely different mindset you know i've come in they've changed and adapted to everything that i've wanted you know, we've been consistently progressing, getting faster and and obviously quicker than the guy that they've in, th- in theory pl- employed to win the w- world championship. So, from a confidence point of view, I'm absolutely beaming. I'm so happy with Honda what they're doing and the effort that they're putting in. I've, you know, I've got no complaints.
0: Yeah, about about the effort that you put, they're putting in there. I'm intrigued what they might have done in this downtime because I know there have been factories closed at some point along the lines. I also know Honda and i know the way they work and always be trying to find solutions and it is a bike in development isn't it so i just wonder are you aware of them having been able to do things in the interim period between philippine and and what you've got coming up in here
2: yeah the 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 fourth is hrc um the emails and the people that's emailing me is the people that you know uh, you can't get any higher you know and the work that they're doing in Japan. Obviously, it has been a bit of a stopper on development, the fact that we've not been able to ride, we've not been able to test, um, but that hasn't stopped them from you know, pushing on the development, the emails, and you know, every time we go anywhere, the effort that, that we've got there is, is phenomenal. And Can you hear us, Leon? Frozen,
0: frozen. Nice little...
2: Yeah. Model pause.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Um, shall we convene later on, then? <laughs> Reconvene.
1: Yeah. What we already knew about motorcycle races is they're, they're absolute competitive weirdos, aren't they? So essentially what's happened is we've been totally blown off only because they lost. Him and Alex lost in a <laughs> game of golf. So anyone who's played a game of golf, it's 18 holes. It's about three hours, three and a half hours. Four, I find uh, four it hours.
0: Bo- Often four hours. Easy.
1: Often four hours. I find it quite boring. I don't mind hitting, I don't mind hitting the ball every now and again but the thought of doing another round of golf in the day.
0: And, and um, anyone who watched Grand Prix, watched MotoGP, knows it's slightly warm at the moment in the
1: Yeah. They're a pair of idiots, aren't they, basically? <laughs> <laughs> They're a pair of idiots, but I love them. I at love
0: least them. they can't yeah. hurt themselves doing that. Maybe sunburn. <laughs> Maybe sunburn is the only issue.
1: Well, exactly. Well, you know what Leon's like? He's Mr. Town anyway, because he goes really dark. Alex Lowe's on the other hand. Oh, well.
0: Look like a big pale
1: skin. So he's gonna have a burnt neck all weekend.
0: That's why you used <laughs> to have that was it a pink helmet you had once you can blend it in a pink pink yeah. number on it. Exactly. Um, right, okay, well let's let's um redo this Reconvene. later yeah. on.
1: Easy, no problem. Eh, this is life. Eh, allora.
0: Allora, day. Right, ciao. Ciao. Right, so we can get back now to where we were. Do you remember what your question was? I haven't got a clue. Right, let's get back. The thing is, people who are listening are going to know exactly what the question was, but I can't remember. I oh, actually I do remember one of my questions. What there the five, hour,
1: five, five hours ago? Question. He's had a long,
0: long. He's had a lot of time to think about it.
1: Look at he's such a handsome man. Into look. The this
2: is,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, that's perfect. Um, the the first question, uh, and it's not necessarily the one that we were asking you when it was all got a bit crackly, Leon. Did you win?
2: Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> you'd
0: still be out there.
2: <laughs> just 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 have a little look at the two miserable two over there, and you can tell who's won. I mean, oh uh, dear, that's so so funny. We shot um seventy actually. We're shot two hundred par. We had a really good day. Yeah. Superb. So, how, how sunburned
0: g- are, <laughs> <laughs> are you?
1: Are you guys on the piss then? Because obviously you normally know drink on a Wednesday before your race, don't you? You know, I get absolutely leathered.
2: Yeah, well obviously I was on the phone to you, so I didn't even have a chance to buy any water before I played, so I'm dehydrated, so I've just necked a bottle of water. So let's be overhydrating for the 60 degrees of track temperature that's coming.
0: What, what what's temperature like there now? Because obviously at the Grand Prix at the weekend it was you know 40 track temperature over 60. What mm. is it cooled down or has it got worse?
2: Yeah, I think it's predicting for race one 43 degrees air temperature. So nice. Oh, yeah. nice. loving it so first race back. <laughs>
1: even even hot. All joking apart though. Is it something you worry about, or is it? Have you been? In, have you been in them conditions before that hot?
2: Yeah, obviously Suzukas uh, can get extreme. It's more the humidity there than the actual temperature. And you know Malaysia. And and in all fairness, I actually I actually love them sort of conditions because I know others are going to struggle. And that's where the mind over matter of of, uh, you know you can come out on top and have that little advantage. But the biggest thing I'm worried about is actually the heat from my right foot, the exhaust. I really get bad blisters on from the heat from uh, from the exhaust there. So I have everything. That's the one thing that I'm uh, not looking forward to. Ooh, that means is that something?
0: Good. Is that something that's what happens with a couple of bikes, or is that particular to the Honda or what?
2: Yeah, obviously each bike's different, but uh, any uh, bike that comes that close, you obviously can run heat shields, which Honda's got, and all that sort of stuff. But you know, it, is, it does get uncomfortable, and you know, and especially for the Suzuki eight hour, you know, it's, it's you end up going down the straight with your feet up in the air, trying obviously get a little bit of cooling, but uh, it can get uncomfortable. But yeah, honestly, uh, I'm actually looking forward to it. It's. This track gets super greasy in all conditions. It's all about managing it. Um, you know, definitely the lap farms aren't gonna be what they was in January when we was doing thirty eights and thirty nine, so you know, if you can keep a, a consistent rhythm and not make any mistakes, you know, that's a, the first thing you've got to do in these conditions.
0: I, I'm not, I know you probably can't say anything in terms of tyres and in terms of Pirelli, because obviously they supply everybody, but obviously we know. You know what happened? Michelin had uh, what they had to deal with at the weekend. How does a Pirelli fare in those kind of conditions then when it gets, you know, so when you're racing in Thailand or in Malaysia or something like that, how, how does it fare as, as things go on later on in the race?
2: Yeah, you know, I've read all, all different types of tyre manufacturers and it, they're all the same. You know, you've got to manage the grip. Hotter it gets, greasier it gets. Um, you know, it's all about loading the front tyre in a nice way because the, the physical isn't the grip from the, the hot tarmac to, to the rubber. So it doesn't really matter what manufacturer and they all, It all gets managed in the same way. And having a really good balanced bike, um, you know, the Yamaha sh- showed really well here last year because they turn naturally quite well. So, in the hot conditions, when everyone else loses that turning ability, you know, a bike that turns really well actually sometimes helps in the, I would say, in the hotter conditions, Um, and probably hence why there's three Yamahas on the podium in in Meta GP. You know, it's a a really good turning bike, which as it gets hotter, you know, that's the first thing that you lose. You lose that grip of the tyre, so instead of relying on that front tyre to grip, to get the bike to turn, you know, the natural turning bike will will fare well in in the hotter conditions.
1: What are the Lenny? What are the strong points of this new Honda then?
2: Honestly, the the Honda for me right now it's a, quite a good balance bike. We've changed the balance quite a lot. Um, it's really stable. Um, the electronics package is probably the one of the best that I've had, but we've just not put it all together yet. So fundamentally, it's got everything that you know is pretty much straight from MotoGP. The power is obviously there, uh, but again, we need to manage it. Um, so everything is kind of there, but we just need to put it all together for me is the, is the main, main thing. And the, the advantages that, you know, Kawi Yamaha and, and, and potentially that the Ducati has is that they have all that information, they have the data. So, you know, how a bike is competitive on the first part of the race and, you know, or we can set it up for the middle part of the race, but the minute there's quite a big variance from the first lap to the middle to the end. And it's trying to get a bike that doesn't vary too much over the 18 laps that we make.
0: Yeah, and that—I mean, obviously, it's a new bike, isn't it? You know, the fact that that you know a lot of things are new on that bike. Obviously, Honda aren't well through bike of any stretch, but to have a factory effort, you know, it's been a while where they've worked it in. So, is it closer than you might have imagined at the start of the year?
2: Yeah, honestly, the the starting point was was quite different from. I think a lot of the information that Honda has isn't from World Superbike, and it isn't from Pirelli tyres, and luckily with my experience from jumping backwards and forwards from suzuka eight hour to, to british championship to world championship is a very clear understanding of what each tire needs um you know to, to, to perform and and at the minute the difference between going from bridgestone say in suzuka to, to world championship the fundamental balance of the bike is completely the opposite so the direction that we've gone has been very clear the understanding of what is needed for a prototype to go fast is very clear and that's kind of where we've headed in a very short period of time and, and how fast Honda's adapted to that is, been, is very, very impressive from my point of view. But still, we yet to, you know, put it onto the track and get a result with it. You know, it's kind of just been done in the testing and, and you know, and like I said, they have reacted really fastly, but we do need to go racing and, and put it to, to the test.
1: And Leon, is the Rocket there with
2: you? He's flying out tomorrow morning. Um, yeah, he's been a big help, to be honest with you. He's um, you know his experience around the circuit has been has been fantastic. It's been all the tests so far this year, and uh, yeah, you know we're we're working in the same way as always. Because he's
1: obviously your dad. <laughs> Just for the people I don't know, we're talking about Ron Haslam, absolute legend. Um, I know how close you are to him because you, you you still live at home. You've got your own place, but you basically live you know less than 100 metres away from your dad. You spend a lot of time with him. Mm. What's what's the sort of key to that relationship? Because I couldn't I could not live hundred metres away from my dad and as much as I love my dad, he's in mm. he my head, in, you know, you've got such a special
2: relationship. We have got a unique relationship and it's it's totally different to any father and son I would say relationship. I'm I'm helping managing a few young kids right now and I'm having to deal with six young kids and six dads and it's the absolute biggest nightmare of my whole life and everything that I've tried to convince teams to get my dad involved and to use his experience I'm saying the exact opposite to all these (laughs) kids and it's just an absolute nightmare but you know from that perspective it has been different Um, my dad is my biggest critic but I've always had to do the opposite He's, he's never been the pushy dad he tried to put me off from racing I have to actually push him to get involved to to get his input to help me and a lot of the stuff that we work on now is actually him videoing and being out on the circuit. Um, it's not necessarily about setup because, you know, I've got a good bunch of guys and a team behind me for that. But, you know, to be able to bounce ideas off of him, for him to visually see things out on the circuit and knowing, you know, it wasn't always this way. You know, when I was 18, 19, uh, we used to argue all the time. We used to, obviously, I thought I knew better. And, you know, and I won my first ever World Superbike race. And his first comment was, is that I was crapping Turn 10. You know, and you know, they're the sort of things that you you realise at the end of the day, he's only trying to help me. And, you know, race two, when I won my first race in 2010, I lost the race in Turn 10 because I was doing what he told me that I should be doing. So, you know, you realise at the end of the day, he is there to help. His experience is unbelievable. And when I accepted that, we, we turned off the father and son relationship and, and I turned on a relationship that has just helped me tenfold in, in every team that I've been in. What uh, was and you- a qu- a qu-
1: Hang on, just quickly, Gavin. A question on that, because there's always been a competition. Whenever I've been around to your house, every, well, everything's a competition anyway, but, like, your dad still does everything. If that's trials biking, training stuff, bizarre things on push bikes, whatever. Is
2: there anything your dad can still beat you at? There's a question. You know you know what was really funny? He, he does a lot of teaching, especially on the, um, the the smaller bikes, the 300s and the 500s at the race sport. And once a year, I'll get, you know, Lowe's Boys or Johnny or whoever it is, and we have a play, you know what I mean, on a bog-standard bike, normally on the littler bikes, and you know most of the time you flat out on them, and my dad is faster than all of us on these little bikes, and I think he practices all year, ju- and then literally just we get like, one session with him, <laughs> and he literally just pulls away from us all, and it was like, yeah, he loves that, but yeah, that's why I don't go on them anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Steer clear. I want to know what it was like, though, growing up. Um with Ron and Anne, obviously your mum. But growing up in, in the paddock, because you know, we talked to all these kids who are, you know, who are sort of doing it right now. But you grew up in a paddock, didn't you? What what was that what was that like for you?
2: I, I see my, I see it as such a an awesome way of being brought up. You know, I was six weeks old, I was uh, being traveled the world with my dad doing grand prix and my early memories is playing in you know, Elf as tent and Serge Rosse hanging me from the awning poles and, you know, riding around bikes. For me, that was just normal life. And, you know, um, when I got to a age where I was riding and doing motocross, my dad had actually come back from Grand Prix, and he was running Team Great Britain. So, you know, for eight years, I had riders living on camp beds outside my bedroom in my own house. You know, James Hayden, you know, uh, Carl Harris, all these riders lived in the house with mechanics. Every day we did it, we trained together. So from eight years of age, I had a team and riders and mechanics living in my house. So every day was a play day. You know, every Friday there was no training. It was having fun. It was who could jump the furthest. It was who could, you know, you know, do tricks or whatever it may was. So for me, I've lived every day in that way. And, um, you know, Neil's been to the farm and, and, and seen that sort of thing. And, and that's what I... That's what I love. You know, that is the passion. And it doesn't have to be bikes. You know, it could be disconnecting brakes or push bikes and who could, you know, be the fastest down the hill without braking and stuff. And it's just general stupid things that we would, we would do. And, um, yeah, and, and I've been lucky enough to live that every day. And I can remember one of my earliest memories was playing PlayStation in Alex's motor room for two days straight. He had pretty much every game that they had in the back of his motorhome. And, yeah, their memories for me will last forever. And to see those sort of people... And, and be a part of it as, a, as an early age. It definitely gave me that one. You know, in my mind, I've, I've only ever been wanted to be a bike racer. Yeah, that's what I was going
0: to say. Was that it? Once you've grown up like that, was that that was the only thing that was going to you know, work for you was, was being a racer. Is that, was that fair to say, yeah?
2: Yeah, I've, I've looked at my little diaries when I was six, seven years old, and it's like, what did you do at the weekend? You know, What's in the news today? And, and what do you want to be when you're older? And pretty much everyone was the same. I went racing with my dad at the weekend, some rubbish that happened on the news that day and I'm going to be world champion in world superpower, you know whatever it was it was like the same every day and in all fairness my dad tried to put me off for several years you know the, the story's been documented quite heavily with you know he put me off when I broke my leg for the first time he even said he couldn't afford to do it anymore and I think he really wanted me to want it for myself, but in my head, that's all I've ever wanted to do. And you know, when he realized that, then that's when I felt that he actually started helping and supporting me, you know, to make the best go of it that I can.
1: And what about your kids then? Cause obviously you've got kids. How do you feel about them potentially raising? To so getting to that age now, I guess, if, if there's any interest, are you doing, are you doing the same tactic as your dad?
2: hundred percent. I've not pushed my kids at all, um, you know, There's more downs than there are ups in racing, and you need to want it, you know. And helping young kids now and training—it highlights so much to me that if if someone wants it or not, it's irrelevant of how natural talent they are, or even irrelevant of how fast they are. You can pretty much tell if someone wants it or not, and Mm. you know, I we spotted that in the Lowe's boys at an early age, and their want and their drive. It doesn't matter their ability or what they'll ever achieve. You want to help and support those people, and. I'll never ever push anyone that doesn't really want it for themselves and for me, from a kid's point of view, even less. I'd rather put them off and let them come to me and, and see if they wanna do it. And yeah, you know, we've got on bikes and they have fun on bikes on the farm but you know, it definitely has to be their choice.
0: I wonder when, I remember when I first got to know you, Leon, was in Grand Prix when you were over there as a kid. I was a kid, but you were even younger as a kid over there. And we had a bit of fun here and there. But I just wonder, do you ever feel you never got a fair crack at it in in, in Grand Prix racing, in 500s? Because you were you were throwing, you were on the twin, and then in the middle of the season, Chris Walker stopped. You're thrown on the, 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 the V4, all of a sudden. You were 18 still. Eighteen yeah. years of age and, and you know one of the youngest in the premier class ever and and you're riding the V4 that, <laughs> that was out there and it just
1: that nobody that
2: nobody could ride that nobody could ride and and you, then you just chuck, oh, chucked in at the deep go. end. Now know? honestly, the, the, what I gained from that year, it wasn't wasn't ever going to progress me in my career, but you know racing against Valentino and Rossi and your Kenny Roberts and jumping off of a one two five jet that blew up sixteen out of eighteen races straight onto a 500, and I remember having a big battle with uh, Arachi Karaoke at Suzuka, and it was phenomenal. You know, when I jumped on the V4, I crashed twice every weekend, and I I mean crashed big, and my confidence that year was shot. By the end of the year, I wasn't riding great, but what that year gave me, and this was one conversation that I had with my dad that will always stand out, is that he comes to me and is like, why are you racing? You know, he saw that I was riding... With no confidence. He saw that I was, you know, trying too hard in the wrong areas, hence why I was crashing, but two, three seconds off the pace. And he's basically said that, you know, if you're not enjoying it, why are you putting yourself through all this pain, all this, you know, what it may be? And he put it to me that, you know, he's lost two brothers in racing and he didn't care if the worst scenario happened. And he says he would rather do what he was doing and have that as an outcome than, than not do it at all. And it made me realize or, understand that I do want this, it doesn't matter of the outcomes and it doesn't matter if I crash every single session, I want to be a racer, I want to be the best that I can be and it made me overcome my insecurities, my lack of confidence and that year really highlighted to me that no matter what, this is what I want to do and um, I had to go through the tough times Mm -hmm. and experience all those crashes to realise that no, no. That this is what I want this is what I want for me and I will get through this and that, for me that was a big turning point if, in a realisation instead of being 18 and having a bit of fun travelling the world it was like I need to make this work for me and, and, and give it my all and, and these crashes and lack of confidence is, is a mindset that I need to get over and, and for me that was a, a big turning point Yeah
1: here's one for you Lenny you've not obviously you've not retired uh, the best hopefully is still yet to come but looking back at your long career because it is long What's been the the highlights or the highlight? What's the moment where you go, bloody <laughs> hell, that was incredible?
2: Um, winning the Suzuka eight Hour was a massive achievement for me, and, and winning it back to back. You know, the first year that we won it, um, I was on crutches. You know, to win it back to back was fantastic, and it was such a big sort of team effort. That was that was a big one. Two thousand and ten, winning my first World Superbike race and taking Max Biaggi on a Factory Aprilia you know, to the final round. They all come too easy. And um, at the time, I never really appreciated how good and easy and everything was coming. And it was only then the years afterwards trying to develop a BMW and going on, the, you know, a, a, not a very competitive Honda and all those sort of things. It made me realize how hard, you know, it was when things wasn't right. So ever since 2010, I was try, I've was trying. i been trying to replicate a feeling, an easy way of riding, not overriding. And the, my biggest downfall in my career that I've always overridden. So when things hasn't been right and I should settle for a fourth or a fifth, I've always overrode and, and got a worse result out of it. And that's mm-hmm. normally ended in injuries or crashes or, or just basically making too many mistakes. And, you know, when I won the British Championship, because I could ride at 75%, 80%, I won 15 races and it was the easiest year of my life. It wasn't mm-hmm. meaning that I wasn't riding any slower to do that. I just didn't have to over-try and I had mm-hmm. a really good year. And, and for me, that's one thing that I've learned now is that you've got to ride – Within yourself to get the best result, and overriding doesn't necessarily give you a better result. I say that, Gav, in commentary, don't I? What I say is
1: if if a rider's going through a tough period, what the fans think at home is like Uh, the words of encouragement is listen, you need to get in there and give it some, and really, but the rider's already given it 100%. And yeah. usually what happens then as you try harder, you go slower, don't you? You make more mistakes or you fall off. So yeah. it, it's that half a step back, isn't it, to get the most out of yourself.
2: Which is yeah. difficult. One hundred percent. It's controlled aggression, understanding where you can and can't push and all racers always try harder in the areas that they're already good. And that's normally yeah. that you're probably already on the limit. So you know, it's yeah. analysing your your weak points and improving those and accepting that your strong points just to keep it at the same. And again, it's about self analysing and you know, it's took me a lot of years to do that rather than just ride harder and go faster.
0: <laughs> and, and talking of a lot of years, when you, you just mentioned that winning in Britain and winning the championship, I wonder what it felt like for you after all those years through Grand Prix, through the British Championship and World Super, and, and backwards, you know, mm. uh, each way um i just wonder what the sensation was when you finally when you finally did it and you got that hug off your dad at, at the end i just wonder what you know whether it was relief whether it was delight or i don't know how how, how was that to finally you know take that championship
2: honestly it was just relief it was like yeah finally you know what i mean like, we've ticked that box that i should have ticked several times before and you know at least we've done it now and and, and the fact that I knew that I was moving back to world championships it was like my mind was already on that, you know, it's like, that's where I want to be, it's what I want to do. And, you know, there's no doubt that I will be back in the British Championship and I want to win more British titles, you know, later on in my career. But, yeah, right I now... Said that, <laughs> I said that, I said that to Gav, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I, said, I said that when you weren't on, I said, the thing is with Leon is, he'll go back to BSB, I know he will, because... Yeah. And I don't mean because you're going to fail it at world championship levels. Whatever happens at world championships, and even if you if you win a world title, I know you'll be back at BSP because mm. your passion and your love for it, and you want to win more titles. That's brilliant.
2: No, one hundred percent. My 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 focus is is if I'm on this Honda and I can get another year out of it and try and win a world championship. That is what I want to do. I believe that is possible. I believe I can do it. But if I'm not on a package that I believe that can win a world championship, I'm more than happy to go back to try and win another British title. You know, I love those years in England. I love the challenge of it. Um, You know, it's kind of back to old school racing as far as the way that it's all set up. So, for me, that is something that I know I will do later on in my career. Hopefully, it's a bit later on, and I can have a couple of years at getting trying to be a world champion.
1: We couldn't hey, be at forty years old though. I want to see a forty-year-old
2: British superbike champion. Why not, I, why, why not though? Why not? I, I like the, I like the fact that Bayliss is still winning races in the, in Australia at fifty. That's amazing. Yeah.
0: Exactly, uh, exactly. You won't stop him, and it's a similar kind of just uh, never say die, pa- passion and attitude that, that, that's there. And and it was a question that I asked you before, actually, and I'm glad we can come back to it because we couldn't quite hear you when you were out on the golf course, psyching yourself up to destroy Steve English and Rocky, uh, was about Valentino Rossi and, and the fact that he was you know, still going on strong. Uh, but, you know, he's going to keep going, isn't he? Did that give you a bit of encouragement at the
2: weekend? Valentino's been a hero of mine for so many years and you know um what he's achieved what he's been doing you can't ever take that away from him but to see the passion that he's got the speed that he's got and you know it is fantastic you know I see my dad he's 63 years old and the passion that he's got for bike racing and you know he's up at four in the morning getting pitch bikes ready or trials bikes ready or whatever it may be absolutely loves it you know in the lockdown when lockdown opened up he'd done like nine track days my dad on a CB500 and he yeah, absolutely loves it and I, and i see that in Ross. he's been you know he's got that new life he's got his academy and 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 it definitely has not slowed him down and you know and for me that is fantastic and for him to get on the podium again at the weekend's awesome
0: and did the, Yeah, and did the lockdown, I think for me, uh, we spoke to Valentino a couple of times during lockdown and he sort of said it was the longest he'd ever had at home, longest that he'd ever got to spend time, you know, with his mum, with his girlfriend, you know, a bit, a bit of family time, but away from bikes. And actually, you couldn't go out on the bike. So, it, I, to me, it seemed like his batteries were recharged. Do you feel that similar sort of thing? You've had that first chance since you were, I don't know, 14.
2: Yeah, honestly... You know, if I could ride a bike every day I would and I do get to ride more than most with the facilities that I've got and you know, being out in Spain for the month that I've been here. But, you know, when you can't ride a bike for three months, it makes you want it even more. And, you know, then you're like you're driven to, you know, go on these three hour cycles, which I, I hate cycling, I hate all that long, boring stuff, you know, more, you know, high intensity, you know, whatever it may be. And, you know, it, it drives you to do those things because all you're thinking about is getting back on a bike and when you're going from race to race and test to test, you do, you do lose that drive because it's like, you know, I've got to do this, I've got to do the other, I've got to fly to this event, but when you're stuck at home and you can't ride a bike, there's nothing better than that to give you that fire again and, and to want to get back going.
1: Lenny, <laughs> you talk about being smooth, but when I've been up at Ed Warren's on the, at the flat track, I have <laughs> never seen a wilder man on two wheels. You are the, honestly, Gab, it's so entertaining to watch him. Like, literally, you don't need to time him. You just go. He must be the fastest man on the planet. Nobody could go any faster. But it's so wild. It's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, and it's not normally the fastest way either. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's one of the- who-, who cares? It is the ultimate. Like nobody cares. It's like
2: honestly, you should see him, Gabby. He's so entertaining. I'm, I'm even worse on a motocross bike, that's why I try and stay off them. Because
0: you were a motocrosser as a kid, weren't you? You did NASCAR, Motocross,
2: uh, British, British, Chambers, British, Chambers, yeah, British yeah. champion, British yeah, school bike champion. Yeah. yeah, but that's probably my issue, is that in my head I still think I can do all the things I did back then, and <laughs> I ride a bike probably twice a year in the winter, and and if I get away with them two days, I count myself lucky and then put, the, put it back in the shed. <laughs> now honestly, I've been doing a lot of pit biking, I've been doing a lot of trials ride, I've, been, I've, I've I do a lot of trials riding. I really like that from a fitness point of view and a focus point of view. And uh, it's only recently I've got into flat tracking. Um, we've got a place up at Ed Warren's that's fantastic in the UK. Uh, and I base myself now in Barcelona where, you know, they're everywhere. The tracks, Rocco's Ranch, you know, there's a few places that we go to. And, you know, in, in winter, this winter, I went for 18 days and I rode 16 days out of the 18. And every day you with, you know, Espargaro's, Zarcos, Marquez's and, you know, it's just such geared up for that. And for me, that's something that, you know, I'm helping a lot of young kids out, but i got them out there just to get them to ride various bikes, whatever it may be. And for me, that is, is a big, big boost, I think, in anyone.
1: Who's the quickest when you're out there and you're doing the motocross or the, the flat track, with you know, all the Spanish or all the pretty much every MotoGP riders out there. Who's the standout that you go, bloody hell, you want to see this kid?
2: Um... You know what? I've been motocrossing with Mark and he is exceptional on the motocross bike. I've not been flat tracking with him. Um, I rode with Davi, you know, Supermoto and I've rode with Vinales and he's pretty quick on a motocross. None of them are bad. (laughs) None of them are bad at at (laughs) any of these things. Um, You know, we had a really good laugh this winter. We had a really wet day at Rocco's Ranch and I think there's me, Zarco, Paul. uh, There's quite a few of us and we all kept crashing at least three times a lap. We literally couldn't make a lap. And like, want to go down, and then you splash past them. And it was just like one of those fun days. But obviously, from our point of view, we're there to train, and it's not all about the lap times. But obviously, you want to push a little bit harder, and it does get a little bit competitive, as you probably know. <laughs> a, little bit, go, guys. a little bit competitive. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we need, to, we need to get the cameras there, get the BT Sport cameras there. It would be entertaining just oh, yeah. to see what goes on behind all, the scenes. All
0: the things, all, that, all up there in Northeast, northeast between, between Andorra and Barcelona and that triangle there, there is just so much, and Girona, there's all so much going on, especially in the winter, isn't it, when, when everyone gets down there and everyone gets... Uh, I just yeah. I, I fear for the team managers, the team managers who yeah. are, are worrying yeah.
2: and all that,
0: waiting for the phone call
2: no it's uh it is it is good and there's nothing like it you know um you know over the years that i've been racing i used to do fitness camps in america where you're training three times a day and you know not really riding any bikes and you turn up at the first race absolutely knackered with arm pump and, and really really struggling and then i've done winters where i've just rode trials bikes and motocross and turned up really fresh and I feel now we've got a really good balance. You know, we do a lot of gym stuff up until Christmas. And then January, we turn that into bike fitness with, you know, flat track, motocross, whatever it may be. And, yeah, for me, I feel we've got, like, a really good program, a little thing that we do every year now. And, um, you know, I, I physically come round one, I feel ready, and don't really struggle on the bike anymore physically, which, you know, um, older you get, you should fi- probably find it a little bit more harder. But, honestly, I am find it easier and easier every year. So, whatever we do, it seems to be working and t- tell
1: everybody about me training with Kirk <laughs> and, 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 and the atmosphere there because obviously I've been there training with you. Just explain what it's like.
2: It's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's it's horrible.
1: Something... That's the best description to start with. It's horrible because it's, it's pure torture, Gav. Explain it. Go on.
2: It's such high intensity. But what a lot of people don't see is that we're doing that every day. So come Friday, and get somebody that's not really done much all week. And we're finished. We're absolutely done. And Kurt will throw some circuit or a competition in. And because we're all racers and boxers and footballers and every all the guys that he trains, nobody wants to be last. Everybody wants to win. So the levels that you push yourself to, honestly, it's like it's addictive, and it's exactly what I love about training because you know there's no there's no giving up, and you have to give 110, and you know, and that for me is what I, you know, the competition. That's what I enjoy.
1: What I love about Kirk's place, Gabby, is it's an old school gym, yeah. and he trains all these top athletes, especially in our industry. But every now and again, you'll get like a sportsman turn up who thinks they're fit. But the beauty of when you train with Kirk is there is nowhere to hide, is there? Yeah. You know what I mean? And if you're doing like one of the CEOs you know, does all these different circuits, you'll be doing one. They do one called the Motocross Circuit, and it can last. Well, it can like, it Depends how fit you are, but it could be like. Twenty-four minutes long, so you have to pace yourself. But people turn up, especially young kids, turn up, don't they, Lenny? Right. They they turn up thinking they're fit, and mm. literally they can't even complete it. Mm. So they've burnt themselves out. They go too hard too soon. I've heard all the stories. So many mm. people end up being sick. You know, yeah. it's just uh, it's That'd proper torture. That
0: that would be me after five minutes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we need to get Gab. We need to get Gab training with Kirk. we you seen how much weight he's lost? He's lost two stone. He's ready. Looking well, mate. You ready for Kurt?
0: No, absolutely no chance. I won't make it through the door
1: without being sick. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, I am gonna check you there. I am. I'm gonna. Check well, you. well,
0: okay. Well, you need to film that. Film the puddle of sweat that's left behind afterwards. What, um, what? You've obviously you've got your comeback race this weekend, Leon. After so long out. Right. How do you see it going? How do you see the weekend? I mean, is there going to be a, a bit of a getting to know you? Because, you know, time's short over a World Superbike bike weekend, isn't it? In terms of track time. So, you know, I'm assuming you've got a plan in place with your team. I know you've been in contact with them, that kind of thing. But what sort of thing are you expecting this weekend?
2: Yeah, honestly, I really believe in the package that we have is is capable of fighting for the podium. But the issues that we have is we have two 45 minute sessions and then we're into superport and then a race. So to get up to speed, to find the setting, to iron out all the things that we haven't got, you know, mapping, you know, engine braking, all these strategies. And then also me getting up to speed and, and, you know, you're competing against Johnny on the Cowie, which is, you know, is on that record pace straight away. The, the cat has already got the base setting. the Yamahas are all, won both races last year when we was super strong. We're competing against, you know, that's just six riders straight away that we're already trying to bridge a gap. And if you're on the back foot in World Superbike, you end up going into race one, still making big changes rather than have done one or two race runs like everybody else. So it's that, that process is what we're, we need to bridge that gap faster. Uh, I'm pretty confident that the pace will be there, but we need to do a race run in FP2. And, you know, if we're not ready to do a race run in FP2, the first time we do a race run is in the race. Because mm. that's the only session you can do a race run, in. and it's those sort of things that you know we need to bridge that gap. We need to get the information faster. People don't yeah, see that, been, Neil, do they? Don't, no. They don't.
0: They don't see. You know, they come and they might look at a result on a on a timesheet or look at you in the race and sort of go, "Well, you know, I was expecting the Honda to be up there, I was expecting that, but it's, it's a different set of circumstances. Obviously, for every team, everyone's got their own story and everyone's got everything going on. But Neil, the fans at home. Need to have a look at getting set up and prepared for a race. After four months out, it's not going to be easy. Someone could just look it, couldn't they? Could just look it out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Leon's mentioned it a few times. The problem everyone has is Johnny's still on the Kawasaki and he's first flying lap. And Johnny does it on purpose, obviously. He's very confident, very comfortable. And he wants to destroy everybody. So he goes out. So by the end of that first 45-minute session, that next session, he can do a race run. So he can then figure out the tyre combination. Where for Leon, that second session, that's when Leon will be doing all the big changes for the first time after his first 45 minutes on track. So that's Mm -hmm. probably, it could be anything from, you know, big
2: changes like head angles. uh, You're basically trying to find the lap time still. And it's pointless doing a race run until you find the lap time. So whatever it is, you know, if you only find the lap time going into race one, then you're not race prepared because you've literally only got to the pace that you know is good enough. So it's that that knock-on effect of why you're on the back foot. But, you know, if we can find a good rhythm from the start and you can put that motions of understanding the race in FB2, then you're in for a good weekend.
0: Is it a good place to be at in the moment, World Superbike? I know over the last couple of years, people have sort of I don't know, it's felt like it's drifted out of people's consciousness, but the last year sparked a bit of interest, A bit of interest. I don't mean that to sound offensive, I'm not trying to say that, what I'm trying to say is, I don't know, I was really excited in particular about World 2 Bike this year, it was such a shame, after a, a you know, blue touch paper in Australia at the start of the year, we're all up for it and obviously what happened, happened, but is it a good place to be in, to be, be in that
2: moment, do you feel? Yeah, honestly, you know, the fact, you know, John is obviously a man to beat. For me, the Ducati is an unbelievable package that, you know, demonstrated itself straight away in year one with Alvaro. Um, You know, if you look at the manufacturers now, Yamaha is full factory. Honda are back in it, full factory. Kawasaki, Ducati, BMW are back in it, full factory. You know, the, the amount of manufacturers that are all putting in that effort you know, the nationalities that are now back in the championship. Obviously, the British contingency is still very high, which is fantastic, but, you know, you've got now Japanese riders that's coming over the best of Japan with uh, Takahashi. You've got the, the best of America, you know, that's coming over, and, you know, Van der there. There's a wide range, and it is a proper world championship again now, and for me, that is what is what is exciting. When you win a race now, you, you feel good about that, you know what I mean? You are beating some of the best guys and the best manufacturers out there, and for Me, that's where the atmosphere becomes you know strong, and, and obviously that rivalry that comes between any riders that are battling with each other. Mm. Yeah, I
1: agree with that, Gavin. Do you know what? I, I, I can't think just thinking back when it was so competitive. This year is the year where I've, it's taken a while to get back, but I think Leon just called it all there. The fact that all the major manufacturers now have a factory team, a proper factory yeah. team it's not supported, just supported teams. And, we, you know, you're getting a few parts here and there. We know it's proper factory efforts. And it's, I mean, in these tough times, it's going to be interesting to see what happens moving forward because obviously budgets potentially could get cut in the future. And, you know, the argument could be, which has been in the past, that World Superbikes Bikes is where, you know, you win on Sunday, you sell on Monday. So, you know, maybe this is the yeah. start of... You know, a real strong period for world superbikes. I
0: hope so. Yeah, we hope so, don't we? And you will hope so, Neil. Obviously, being a, a world champion, you know, it's 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 normal. But we, I always have thought there's there's room for for everyone, and you know, in terms of prototype racing and production racing, you know, to have two healthy championships is good for motorcycling. And the worry always is when there's something like coronavirus, where economies all go, isn't there, that, that things get yeah. put back. And we don't we don't want that to happen, especially when we've got to the situation that we're in, where I mean, the fact that HRC have come back in, for me, was saying a lot about the championship.
2: Yeah, now the biggest thing for me that I like, and because I've been, I like the development side of things, you know, this new Fireblade that they brought out, for instance, is all for MotoGP. You know, the wings, the, the electronics, the the chassis design, and they produced a road bike. I did the blade launch in Doha and got within two seconds of a world superbike lap time on a bog standard bike with lights on. And we're now developing that as a race bike and straight out the blocks. It's one of the fastest bikes out there. That stepping stone down to the consumer and what they can buy on the road is working. You know, they're not getting a Formula One car that you can't buy on on the on the road. It's it, the development and the electronics and everything else is coming down, and it's also awesome. So for me, it used to be three four years that you'd it'd take to see that development come onto a road bike in tires, in bike development, mm. or whatever it is. It's happening instantly now. You know, they're having to amoligate road bikes. To, to so race bikes can progress and that development is happening so fast and for me that's quite exciting from a from a road point of view.
0: I wonder in terms yeah. of the the racing this weekend, uh, Leon. Um, with the fatigue, I'm I'm not saying there'll be, but you know, with there being two and a half races, three races over the weekend. <laughs> What's it going to be like at the end of that second race on, on, uh, on Sunday? How are you going to be feeling then? Because it, it's going to be a killer, having seen what you know, the temperatures are now and what you're expecting. Uh, it was I going can't be-
2: wait. I'm hoping all of them's going to struggle and pull in and then we can just win. it be, be all good. <laughs> big, big stand-up wheelie coming out the
1: last corner. Exactly.
0: <laughs> feeling fine. I'm feeling fine. But, uh, but you're not worried
1: about it, like you say, because you know what the work you... I think, to be honest now, Racing has changed over the years, and I'm trying to think of a, a rider that you, that might struggle. But they're all athletes; they're all, you know, they all take it so serious. I mean, this is what you prepare for. Don't get me wrong; there might be a surprise. Someone struggles a bit more than you expect, but. In general, they should. Hey, uh, in when, theory. When we fine. were
0: when we were commentating on Hereth, we were being sent uh, information from the paddock, weren't we? Like bits. We were talking to a lot of people. We're not there. It's really frustrating. But people were saying, "Oh, Jack, Jack, you know, Jack won't last to the end of the race. So you know, he, he had ain't been necessarily doing the same. He didn't do too bad, did he? The first one, you know, when he's up there yeah. on the podium, effectively he's only losing out on the last lap, and that's. Someone that people are saying, you know, is going to struggle and actually is pretty much on the podium. So everyone, everyone, you have to, don't you? To be competitive, you have to be. What,
2: what's exciting about that is is that you can see people that's probably struggled with fatigue or struggling to adapt the style to tyres going off or whatever. But always in the last three or four laps, you see him try again. And then that's for me, is what's always exciting because, you know, they're struggling, whatever it may be, if it's physically, if it's with a tyre or with a setup, but if they're in a battle with three laps to go, they have a proper go again. And we saw it with Vinales, we saw it with Jack, you know, and it kind of goes a little bit calm mid-race because everyone's obviously trying to get through the next 10 laps and all of a sudden everyone goes again. And, and that's quite exciting.
1: Yeah, w- w- one of the things also like can happen, I remember in 2006 when I was racing in America, it was really hot at Laguna Seca and Ben Bostrom he was like the fittest rider. He was like a machine. you know. Were like, we
0: there was... at the same time? Was that when exactly. the Grand Prix was? Yeah. It was oh, yeah, it the was track was breaking
1: the... up. The track was exactly up. the track was yeah so it was about 100 it was 114 degrees not, um yeah and um fahrenheit obviously fahrenheit. and um the funniest thing was ben bostrom like the last five laps he just was gone but it was only because he he was obviously the probably the fittest rider i knew at the time but if you if you don't prepare yourself as in if you've not had enough water you are done you know it's like it's like if you're not putting fuel in your bike you will run out of fuel so you have to be. You have to get that side of it, so the, the balance right, haven't
0: you? Yeah, 100%. That's yeah. what he's doing now in the bar.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I have, right, listen, Leon. I'm going to ask you, uh, Leon. I'll ask you a few uh, what, my quick fire questions, and then we'll let, then we'll let you go because I'm I'm am worried that the lads are sat behind you and they'll all be drunk by now. <laughs> Especially Rocky. Right. Quick quick fire questions. Uh, look, this is maybe different. For you, normally I ask the riders, when they were a kid, like, what poster did you have in your bedroom wall, which rider? But I guess you'd have had pictures of your dad, or, or, or would
2: you not? Tell me. Um, back in the day, actually, it was Max Biagi on a Rothmans 250. That's wow. how far back it was. Brilliant. It was wow. um, yeah, Luca Cadillor, uh, Wayne Rainey, Kevin Swantz
0: I love yeah. it. I love but it. What
2: your dad? Yeah you know what, everyone always said that, but for me it was just my dad. It wasn't even I never saw him as a big biking hero, it was just my dad that I it's went a fair point. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was, it's it was a a fair point.
1: Um obviously we've talked about golf, but I'm really interested because I'm so bored of talking to Alex Lowes, Sam Lowes, <laughs> both of them individually tell me that they are better than the other two. I want yeah. to know out of you three,
2: who's the best golfer? Once and for all, no bullshit. You know what I can honestly say for the last I would say three years Alex has probably won more games over me and Sam but the last three months I think I've come out on top just a little bit so it's one of them when they first started golfing I had them easy and then they overtook me and it absolutely wound me up so over lockdown I've been secretly practicing and we've got it back a little bit.
1: You're only you're, <laughs> brilliant. Is he just been switched <laughs> off there? His screen's gone. I was, <laughs> really I was worried I worried that. was your golf, dear I thought that was dropping the mic. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're only I, as good as your last result. You're only as good as your last I,
2: result. How often do you play golf? How many times a week? Um, you know, when we come out of lockdown, I think we did like four games in one week. But normally, if we can get out once a week, you know, that's kind of what we try and do. So it's, uh, right. it's nice to play uh, just before a race weekend because it does absolutely get you away and give you that nice mindset <laughs> take, take your mind off it um,
1: obviously Leon I've been out with you we've had some beers you, what I like about you you know you've got the balance in life right I think where you're proper, proper serious when you have to be but you do like a beer during winter time so tell everybody what's your favourite drink we're, go, we're going out what, we're going into a nice country pub me you and Gav what, what are you drinking
2: I used to drink a lot of vodka cranberry and I had a intolerance test saying I'm allergic to cranberry, so I'm assuming that's why I had all those anchors over for those years. So that'll be yeah, it. We've changed it now. We've moved, <laughs> yeah, we've moved on, we'll on to the cranberry tonic. <laughs> gin and stomach? Yeah, that's my new one.
1: Over the years you've had lots of teammates because you've been riding forever. Who's been your best and worst teammate?
2: Um Best as in the, probably the most ability that uh, natural ability and results that he got was no, obviously Johnny
1: No, oh, Soundus. who's like you know bloody hell what a teammate we, like, we laughed and he was great and he was a
2: complete date did my head in who's was the, the best and the most for getting the race in was Troy Corsa uh, Obviously <laughs> of course, <laughs> <laughs> No doubt um and probably the worst that and um, which it shouldn't have been because we were actually close friends before that we were teammates so was probably Melandry. Just we, we, we clashed really bad oh. that year with BMW and it ended a, <laughs> what was a friendship. But I you think it's quite a common common theme that one as well. <laughs> you clashed. Is that, that is that your polite way of talking about
1: Donington Park? Yeah, basically. Oh my <laughs> god. If if you've not seen that, what year was that, Leon? Two thousand twelve. 2012, Google it, race one, Donington Park, World Superbikes, Leon's about to, you, it was for the win, was it? Or was it? Yeah, third? I had
2: a 10 metre lead going into the last corner on the last lap.
1: My God, it was the most horrendous takeout, it was going to be BMW's first win, and Melandry just said, not today, mate, you're not winning this race, and he just, well, he just, he might as well have jumped off the bike and ghosted it into you, really, was well, that's <laughs> stupid. Yeah, it was a
2: tough year that was. When you said said
0: best and worst then, you went the best for the fun we had was Troy Corsa and the worst was Troy Corsa for the fun we had. (laughs) Yeah,
2: probably. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember much of that year. (laughs) I think he's still
1: having a good time. Every time I see him, he's uh, he's definitely having a good time. That's it, Leon. short and sweet. Oh, you've, passed, you've passed the test you've definitely passed the test oh, it's yeah, good but... to
0: uh, good to chat to you and uh, wish you all the best for the for the rest of the year after uh, a slight break since race one, oh, weekend one shall we say, but uh, yeah thanks for catching up with us, cheers for fitting us in around your golf, we know what it means to you <laughs> no worries guys,
1: thank you <laughs> have a great weekend Lenny yeah, we'll have a good that, time, mate. cheers <laughs>
0: Super. I mean, I'd love yeah. to say uh, right now that, you know, they're, they're going to have a rubbish evening now, but I bet they'll have a great, nice evening, chewing the fat over a game of golf. And uh, it's, just, be...
1: it's just chilled, Gabby, yeah, isn't it though? You've yeah. got that, look, I said it about that balance, and that's what, that's what I never had in my career, and I can see it in other riders. There's two types of riders, there's either the intense one, or there's the one that's just a bit relaxed. That like... can switch off can switch off, Leon so switches off, he's happy-go-lucky, think about this, and, and you've known Leon a long time, can you think of any riders slagging Leon off?
0: No, no, it's no. just
1: He's it, one of those rare riders that everybody likes, everyone yeah. likes him in BSB, everyone likes him at World Championship level, all-round good guy, just like his shock horror, like his mum and dad, if you yeah. know. Who right, are lovely, Nan,
0: lovely as anything, just, you know.
1: Just the ultimate salt and earth, uh, down to earth, lovely people, you know. And that's Leon, isn't it? And he will, he will be winning British Superbike Championships or back, trying to win them in his 40s, which I'm going to enjoy watching.
0: I think everyone will, won't they? Yeah. And, and there's no doubting. For me, I don't know, uh, I always feel at Grand Prix level, he never got the right shot. And I know, you know, because I remember then he got put on a 250 and it was never going to do anything. I think it was... Your pageants or whatever. And it wasn't, you know, we weren't talking. You, that time, you, you couldn't have a kit bike. You needed to have a factory to be able to yeah. do anything. And it, and it was, I felt that that was him gone out of Grand Prix, which happened to a lot of people over the years. But then I'm sort of like, well, he's just a kid doing that. Wait a second. And then, you know, rebuilt himself, didn't he? Over A him, few times. Oh, exactly. Few, you know what I mean, though? A few exactly. times. He's, and and he, he has, he's reinvented himself.
1: Yeah. He's resilient, a, a
0: occasions, Yeah
1: just keeps on well, it, coming back and, you know, if that, if he can click with that Honda, would you say that it's impossible for him to win a race this year? No, not at all. Not you know not what I mean? All. Of course he could. You know what I mean? He has got the ability to do that. Of course he has. Just let's hope he can click with that Honda. We, I think we all hope that Honda's good, just for the for four world superbikes in general. You know, well, we want the, them to the be way, competitive,
0: don't we? Look, it? the way he way talks about it there, the, the Ducati we saw last year, basically... Got a Grand Prix bike. It's normally it's a case if you build your prototype Grand Prix bike, and we've also got this production bike. Yeah, obviously we've learned a few things, but we've built a production bike. And what Ducati did was, how can we make this Grand Prix bike work on the road? Basically, what they did, didn't they? Yeah. And, yeah. and so Honda have sort of done something along those lines, really, haven't they? They've sort of gone. Yeah. Well, this is yeah. our what we do uh, with a V4. This is what we do uh, in in MotoGP how can we how can we what how can we just make it so it can be ridden on the road and that's where you've got this bike so you've got to feel with what honda can do i know they've not made the greatest motogp bike in recent years but honda can build a motorcycle can't they
1: yeah, yeah and what what happened is ducati did raise the bar ducati in my opinion still have the best bike in world superbikes kawasaki however have the best rider at the moment see, you know. i see
0: i i agree with you in that but i also feel that um what the have done last year is they're learning things still aren't they about how this whole package works together you know in terms of it being the the, the new bike and and pirelli's and, and you know the rules and getting inside of everything and you know rpm limits those sorts of things whereas kawasaki have just built on what they've had and kept going mm. and building and building so you know, where they do have the best rider who's been successful, I also think they've got all the data and information and building on top of things every single year. Does that, that yeah, make yeah,
1: sense? I've, you're right. What I've learned, obviously, through Alex closes, is, this is definitely something. I'm not saying that the Kawasaki is bad. Obviously, I'm not. But what I'm seeing and hearing is Kawasaki have the best rider in Jonathan mm. Ray at the, yeah. at the moment, right? But also, they've got the best team, they've it's got an incredible team. I don't necessarily think that Kawasaki is no, you know, ahead. The difference no,
0: no, at all. I, I, I agree, I agree. But what I mean is, everyone's got sort of strength, aren't they?
1: Yeah, you know, but in, where, where we're going with this is let's that's why we need the Honda to be good, yeah, because that's what they're up against. They're up against the Ducati, which is the best buy, and they're up against the best riders and team in the Kawasaki lot. Yeah, Yamaha's bike works. It is the best bike at like a couple of tracks, but unfortunately, the Kawasaki is better at you know that that package is better at eight of them.
0: Mm.
1: You know what I mean? And that's why we that's why we're potentially going to have good good racing. And the BMW is right there as well, isn't it? You know, it yeah. is. So yeah, I'm just I'm so excited. I mean, the opening round at Phillip Island was stunning. And then, but that can sometimes give you a false sense of security. Phillip
0: Island's very unique, isn't it? It's a unique proposition uh, when we go there for Grand Prix. You always get amazing races. But also in World Superbike, the start of the year, uh, it always, I don't know, something's always different there. And how many times over the years have uh, have things happened at Phillip Island and it's not painted the right picture for the rest of the year? Yeah. But this is such a different year because now it's five months since they were racing there, Mm. you know? So uh, such a I big think
1: weekend. it's, it's going it? to be fascinating. Yeah. It's going to be fascinating. Such a big, yeah. such a big weekend. And, and genuinely, I have no idea how it's going to pan out. No, that's it.
0: That's what I was uh, trying to get out of Leon. Yeah. How do you see it panning out? And obviously he's going to say, well, I think, the, I think we're going to do well. But I wouldn't be surprised for him or Alvaro as well. Yeah. Either of them at track, you know, I, I just, I don't know, where things are going to be so hard with 60 degree track temperatures.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, there will be some surprises. So, yeah, we just don't know what we just don't know what they're going
0: to be. <laughs> right. Well, let's uh, leave it on that note and let's. Gary, uh, yeah, it's nearly
1: my bedtime. It's yeah, it is, it's isn't it? yeah. uh, twenty to nine. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm only in bed between oof, nine and I half I can see your I
0: can see your eyes are going. So yeah, you better go say on. goodbye. Uh, right. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, once again for watching for listening. Uh, please, uh, as always, we do ask you just. Uh, Send us comments. Send us any questions that you've got to at Neil Hodgson 100 on Twitter. Uh, at Gavin Emmett is mine. I wasn't going to give mine then. I was just going to fire it all towards him. Uh, but yeah, send us. We, look, we do love your correspondence. We do appreciate it. You've had some lovely comments and uh, uh, yeah, and I know you're all going to be going out buying these shirts. So, yeah.
1: yeah, I'm loving
0: it. Barbecue this week. It's going to be barbecue time and World Superbikes. Can't <laughs> it wait. It
1: certainly
0: is. Uh, right. Cheers, Neil. See you Cheers, soon. Cheers, Gav. I love you, man. Bye. <laughs> See ya.
1: Ciao, ciao.